0: Hey guys, you're listening to Episode 75 of the Finish Line Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today we're talking to Lance Wood, Retired Partner at PwC and Area Director for the National Christian Foundation. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Keelan and I'm here with my co-host and brother Cody. Today we're talking to Lance Wood, who has had a successful career in the tax and accounting space, retiring as a partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers before transitioning to a role as area director for the National Christian Foundation. Lance is very passionate about multiplying the impact of generosity through a wide variety of creative strategies and financial tools, and he has countless stories of how he has seen it play out for givers of all kinds of backgrounds. This is one you definitely don't want to miss. Before we get started, do you ever wish you could find more people who are passionate about generosity, serving their communities, and advancing the gospel? Do you wish you could interact with some of our fantastic podcast guests? Well, we have a growing community on Facebook and LinkedIn where you can do just that. You don't have to have a financial finish line to join. All you need is a passion for glorifying Christ with whatever God's given you to manage. Look for the link in the show notes to learn more. And with that, let's get to the interview. All right, we're here today with Lance Wood from the National Christian Foundation. Lance, thanks so much for joining us today. Thrilled to be here. So why don't you kick us off just telling us a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today.
1: Thanks, Keelan. I am a CPA, I'm a tax guy. I was born a numbers guy. I worked for a firm, public accounting for 40 years that ended with being a partner in Coopers, a tax partner. I love numbers and I also love saving taxes. And I would still be at PwC today. I love the firm, except that partners agree that they are out at age 60 because they can make new partners for a lot less than old guys like me. (laughs) So at age 60, I had a move in my life that was an amazing thing of God. I just prayed about it like crazy. And God put me in the perfect place for Lance. I love generosity. I love tax savings. I love numbers. So I am with National Christian Foundation now. I'm an area director, and I'm helping generous Christians to move forward and to be generous in super tax-efficient ways where not only they are participating in the kingdom, but the federal government and the state is also participating in God's unfolding plan through tax savings, which is super, super fun.
2: Lance, could you just take a moment and share a little bit about your faith background and how that became part of the work that you do in your career?
1: Great. So grew up in a Christian family and went to church, did all those things, and then at college wound up at Cal Berkeley's business school, which was not a faith-growing experience for me. It was my farthest time away from the Lord, and then came back and was in my perfect career, working at the time for a big public accounting firm and had everything I wanted, CPA, making tons of money, having fun, working hard, progressing and there was emptiness. And really searched was dating a gal that went to a different school, a lot like Berkeley, but different, Westmont. And Westmont's a private Christian school in Southern California. And as we talked, it was clear to me that I needed to be back to Jesus. And so spent time away from her, away from all of it, just figured out whether this stuff is true. And at the end, got to the point where, yeah, it is absolutely true. There is a God. Jesus is a historical person. And Jesus is the unique son of God who died for me. All of that, cool. I totally intellectually believe that. And I knew the next move was to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And the Savior part was easy. The Lord part was harder for me. So it was about a three-month period where I knew, I knew what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And you're going to be be not only my Savior, but my Lord. And I give you control. And I just refused to do that. And the Holy Spirit was after me. And you guys have probably been there. When you know that you're not right with God, and I knew I wasn't. And then one day, I was in the car after a business lunch, and I just pulled over and I said, God, I'm done fighting with you. That is when it became real for me. And that is when I became committed to the end. And that was when I was probably about... 24 years old at that point. Sorry, I didn't know it was going to get emotional so fast. Guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all good. So how did that begin to impact a little bit of your career and kind of how you viewed money through that, which was a big part of your career in accounting?
1: Yeah, so yeah, great question. I married the gal and we've been married now 37 years. And when we got married, we said we need to give. And I said, okay, how much? And she said, well, 10%, of course, that's what the Bible says. And I said, 10%, you gotta be kidding me, man. I've always given, but it was usually my parents' money and they gave it to me before <laughs> offering. And then I would give when people asked. but 10% is real money, Jeannie. Do you think we really need to do that? She goes, check the Bible. I said, no problem, man, I'm a tax guy. So I was in the Bible looking for loopholes around giving and 10%, and it clearly says, God's gonna bless me. I get that part. But I can count the 10% going out, but I can't figure out in this Bible how it means more than 10% and how I count the money. So that was a big step for me, was to step forward in faith and to say, 10%. I'll share another story about my journey around that, because it is a huge number. And if you're not doing 10% now, that's like overwhelming, And what I decided, and it was one of the really key points to me, what I prayed about, I thought, if I'm worth anything in my world of public accounting and business, I'll be making raises of at least 10% a year. And if not 10%, at least 5%. But if we counted on 10% a year of raises, if I simply live the rest of my life on last year's salary and give 10% off this year's, I'll be good. I just have to live my life off last year's salary, and it works. And so I just committed to give 10% in faith, and God has just blessed me out of my mind. And it's so much more than a money thing. I I didn't get that part. It's so much more than a money thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think Akilah and I would both agree that searching the Bible, trying to really understand it, and applying that in some way to your life, it just changes things, and it does change the heart condition. And that is such a significant change. And it brings so much joy when you get to step into that journey.
1: Yeah. Cody, but the world is not telling us that, right? The world is feeding us with, you got the American dream. You got to hold on to everything you possibly can get your hands on. You have to save, 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 because you don't know what might happen next. And then you can finally work your butt off and retire and drink margaritas on the beach and play softball. That's what you need to do. And it's almost irresistible if you're not trying to get yourself into a heart position and around people that also are generous. And it's almost irresistible. It, the Satan is very compelling through our society. And for me especially.
2: So with expertise in tax, did you find opportunities to help other people implement any strategies that really unlocked their ability to give even more if they had an inclination to give? No,
1: it's a beautiful question. It's basically my life mission right now is to help people move towards Jesus through generosity, because this is another point I just want to make. And that is, for a long time in my life, I thought, I need to give because the Bible tells me to give, and it's going to be good for the people on the other side. So let's find people in need. God's plan is unfolding. He needs my money. It's a good thing. But what I have come to realize is that I need the giving, that the giving changes my heart and my life. It allows me, it's like the antidote to my greediness and to materialism. And generosity is the antidote to being sucked into that whole thing. And so generosity has built in my life. God positioned me into NCF. I love saving taxes. I just think it's fun. I'm a geek, right? And so What NCF is doing is NCF is a platform. It's a platform. I mean, think of it like as a piggy bank for your charitable giving. And NCF doesn't need the money, doesn't keep the money. It goes into NCF. You get the tax deduction when it goes in. You invest it. You direct it. You say, invest it here, invest it there. NCF just holds the money as a platform. And then you say, give it here, give it there, give it there. One thing that's powerful that I hadn't focused on is the donor advised fund platform is cool because it separates the act of giving in commitment to God, because giving and generosity is good from the act of who am I going to give it to? Because it used to be like I'd be somewhere. Somebody would say, hey, this is an awesome thing that's happening. Please give. And I go, "Okay, I want to give a thousand dollars to this. If I give a thousand dollars right now. That means that I'm not going to be able to do something I was thinking about because I hadn't planned this before. What the donor advice fund does is it separates that. It says, no, I'm going to give $1,000 because God tells me generosity is good for me and he's going to bless me out of my mind. And when the opportunity comes up, sometimes later, the money's there and I don't have to struggle with, do I have it? Do I not have it? So the donor advice fund is a great platform But the magic, the real power from a tax perspective in the donor advised fund is that this is just a tax law thing. If you give a long-term capital gain appreciated asset, we're going to all understand this by the end. If you give a long-term capital gain appreciated asset, you get two benefits. You get the benefit of the deduction, the same deduction that you would get if you gave cash. But you also, when now the asset belongs to NCF, when NCF sells the asset, because we're a charity, we don't pay any capital gains tax. So there's a double benefit when a long-term capital gains asset gets given. And what that leads to is the next really powerful point. For generous Christians, long-term capital gains tax is optional. It is an optional tax. You never have to pay a long-term capital gain tax because what you can do is you can give the, the easiest example is stock. You bought it for $100. It's worth $1,000. Let's just say that you could sell the stock. You'd have a gain of $900. Just hang with me on this. The 1000 minus the $100. you would have a gain of $900. If you live in California like I do, and if you're in the maximum tax rates, you would pay a 37.1% capital gains tax on that $900. I'm doing the math on the fly here, but it's probably about 350 bucks. And so now you only have $650 left after you've paid that tax, and now you give the $650. When you give, you get a tax deduction of $650. And let's pretend you're in the 50% combined tax bracket. You save... On the $650 that you just gave, you get a tax refund of $325. So in the end, the government got $350, the charity got $650, and you got $325. Sorry, we're doing this on the fly, but hopefully you're following this. Here's the alternative. You take the $1,000 of stock and you give it to your charitable war chest piggy bank, NCF. Now we sell it we got a thousand dollars it's in your charitable account to give to whoever you want whenever you want and it's a thousand dollars not 650 dollars like you had to give before so now you have a thousand dollars to give instead of 650 get this it gets better now you gave a thousand dollars not the 650 after tax you gave a thousand dollars and you get a deduction for a thousand which puts 500 in a combined federal California tax bracket of 50%, puts $500 in your pocket. So what just happened was, in the second scenario, the charity gets more money, they get $1,000 instead of $650, and you get more money instead of the $325 of tax refunds, you get $500 of tax refunds. It is crazy that there are generous Christians out here that aren't looking at their stock portfolio every year and giving the asset instead of giving cash. And and it's even better. What if you say to me, wait a minute, I really, really love Amazon stock that was worth a thousand, Lance. I don't want to give that. I say, fine, give the stock anyway, get the thousand dollar tax deduction, get the thousand dollars in for the charity, save the $500 of cash refund, and then... And CF will sell it. Take the thousand dollars of cash you were gonna give and buy the stock back. Now instead of having tax basis of a hundred dollars in that stock, your tax basis is a thousand dollars, and you will never pay gains on that when you ultimately sell it later. So you just got the best of all worlds. You got out of the gain. You funded the charity, and in this scenario, the government. I say loses, the government winds up with 350 less dollars than they would have had that wind up being split between the charity and you and your family. And the government wants this. This is not like a tricky scenario. This is black and white in the Internal Revenue Code. It's done to encourage generous people to give out of appreciation. So it's not a trick. It's just a beautiful thing that more people need to know about. Oh, so that's the way the regular people like me and you do this. Here's the big opportunity. Publicly traded stock is easy. Inside your NCF DAF, it's clicks, right? It's just you contribute it to us. It's gone. There is no fee. NCF charges nothing to do this. We just want more money to get to the kingdom and you to be a happy giver. But the big opportunity is take the same principle and say that you have a business that you're going to sell, and God has blessed you. And let's pretend that the business is worth, I'm gonna give you one that's happened in my life. Let's pretend the business is worth $68 million, and you are a good person, and you intend to tithe off of that, and give $6.8 million. And let's pretend that if you do that, you sell the company, get the cash of $68 million, and then give $7 million, you have net $61 million left. And that's a good thing. And you pay tax on $61 million. Alternatively, you could give 10% of the company first to NCF. And now when the company sells, you only have 90% left personally. So you've got $61 million of gross gain. NCF sells and we don't pay any tax. And you take the 7 million dollar tax deduction that you get from having given this stock before the transaction and offset it against the gain that you kept and so you only pay tax on the net 54 instead of the 61 at the end of the day at my 37.1% federal and california rate that person saves million more of tax than they would have. And all they did was switch the gift to be in front of the transaction instead of behind the transaction. And now you can't do this if you already have an absolute done, done deal because that's just assignment of income. The IRS doesn't like that and they won't honor that. But if you don't have a done, done written deal, but you know there's a deal coming up in your future, deals come and go. They may not be. If you give before you have a deal, this completely works. And it is free money encouraged by the IRS. And so I'll tell you a beautiful thing. Often in scenarios like that, the giver says, oh, my gosh, I just saved $2.8 million that I wasn't expecting to have. I think I'll give more. I think I'll get more. And in this situation, that's exactly what happened. And in so many situations, and I love it. I'm a tax guy. If God can get the money or a generous Christian family can get the money, either way is good for me.
0: Yeah, I love the multiplying factor on all of these different scenarios and how the original giving intent. It's really like God's economy. When you release control of something that God has put under your control, then he's able to do so much more with it than we can with it in our own grip. And I'm curious, just hearing some of these scenarios, which are fantastic, where have you seen some other considerations? You know, I'm assuming some of these transactions with a $68 million business are a little bit complex. And what kind of other considerations might come up that could come into factor as somebody's kind of walking through some of these decisions, something that somebody says, all right, I'm going to do this. What are some things that they might not have thought of that they would want to consider ahead of time?
1: Yeah, that's great. I think the thing that I hear most is that this concept is a big concept, right? And if you look at the math, it's really clear what we should do. The challenge that I see the most is that if I get to a person after they're already basically in a deal, and this is their baby, right? They're selling the business that they spent their whole life, and they've got investment bankers that are engaged, right? Everybody is laser focused on just get the deal done. Just get the deal done. We don't care. Lance, great, great ideas. Kingdom could get an extra $2 million. We don't care. We want to get the deal done. So the key that I have found is you have to get to the potential donor, the generous Christian, before they are in the full scale battle that is happening in the last, you know, two months of a deal. Because there will be too much pressure to just focus on a close and just lose the tax benefit. And by the way, to my knowledge, NCF has never lost a deal or screwed up a deal because of the involvement. But it is an additional factor. It's not difficult to handle, but it is something new that you have to prepare people for in advance. It's the biggest thing. And I'll tell you the other thing, the biggest comment that I hear And this doesn't just work for closely held businesses, by the way, this works for real estate and it works great for real estate because within real estate, you can do it two ways. You can do a gift of the real estate and you can just get the tax deduction for the gift of the appreciated real estate, use it to offset your taxable income on other stuff. And you could just keep the real estate in there and use the income that's coming off the real estate to fund your giving. Or you can sell the real estate right off the bat and trigger a giant pot of war chest forgiving. But real estate has a lot of flexibility in this tool. And I also mentioned you can give fractional interest in the business. We talked about that on the 10%. But in real estate, you could go, well, I wanna save some of this, but I wanna give 10%, or I wanna give 5%, or I wanna give 30%. You can give a fractional interest and it still works. And in the fractional interest scenario, it's kind of cool because You can give a fractional interest, let's just pretend 30%, and then in the scenario like it played out with the business, because you've given the 30%, you don't get taxed on it. Now when you sell it, you only get taxed on 70%, but you can use the 30% that you gave to shelter the tax on the 70% that you kept. And you wind up with real money that is tax protected, that you and your family get, and you wind up with a big war chest to do giving stuff that you've always wanted i just got to say this part i think ron blue was attributed to say do your giving while you're living then you're knowing where it's going but i would say it's better than that do your giving while you're living because then you can give more and then you save taxes because if you give hang with me on this one if you give a dollar when you die it's a wonderful thing charity gets a dollar your estate parts with a dollar If you give a dollar when you're alive and you live in California like me and if you're in the maximum tax bracket, the charity gets a dollar and it costs you 50 cents because you get a tax refund when you give that dollar. So to give when you're alive costs your family only half of what it costs to give when you're dead. If you give in an appreciated asset transaction, even better, right? Now, you're getting out of the gain on it and you're getting the full deduction. Basically, it's gonna cost somewhere between 20 and 30 cents to you and your family to get the charity dollar. It's a super efficient way to give. So that to say, the biggest things that I hear is, dang, I wish I would've known this before. I sold my business. I wish I would've known before. My response to that is often when people sell a business, They roll over a percentage, which goes for a second bite at the apple later in a couple, three years when the private equity firm later sells. And you can do it with that second piece just as well as you could have done it with the first piece. It's just the most efficient way to give that people with appreciated assets, real estate or businesses, it's the most efficient way to give that they'll ever have.
0: Yes. I have another follow-up question on that. You mentioned fractional interest where you're retaining some ownership and I know that there is a scenario where you can give either a portion or all of a business or real estate. I think it works in both directions and continue to operate the business or the real estate property. And maybe you can flush out how that works because I think a lot of people probably think I'm done once I give it away. How does it work in more of a long-term scenario?
1: There is a movement happening in the Christian world right now called, you know, faith-driven entrepreneurs and faith-driven investing, right? And what I find as I talk to founders of businesses is that their biggest concern is they don't want to give up control. There are people out there that say, all of this belongs to the Lord, right? I'm a steward of the assets, but I don't want to give it away because it's creating all this income and it's a great thing. We say, great. What if there was a way that you could retain control, you could create tax benefits over today and in the future that cause the kingdom to get even more than it would give if you just keep giving the money when it comes off of it today, after you pay tax, by the way, because right now, create a business, throw off income, pay taxes, less to give, right? If we could get the whole business into the kingdom, now it's more tax efficient as it goes, First of all, you get big tax shelter on the way in by the deductions from giving the business. Second of all, the future income stream winds up with a higher percentage going to the kingdom. So to answer your question, there is an absolute movement of courageous people that are saying, I'm going to give the whole thing or I'm going to give a big percentage of it now because I know God's calling me to do it. And it's a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing.
0: So I know some of the people who have done this, who have given away either 100% or a very high percentage, and I'd love to hear what are some of the most common hesitations you hear for somebody who's like, I want to give a portion of my business, or I want to give all of my business, but X. What are those things that tend to hold them up, and how would you respond to those?
1: I want to be able to control. I don't want idiots to sell my business. I still need to be in it. And I will say from a practical perspective, legally, legally, you're not still in control, right? Legally, it's now owned by a charity, not owned by you. Practically speaking, you are in control. You are making the decisions around the business. You're operating the business. You can continue to bring family members into the business. There's ways in these structures to continue to be able to give employees incentives to be in the business that's either direct equity or simulates equity. That's another one of the pushbacks is I want to be able to reward my employees. If I do this, I won't be able to reward them and incentivize them properly. There are structures that, in my opinion, take away the concern about control and the ability to properly attract, retain and motivate employees.
2: Well, Lance, your excitement around these ideas and these strategies is so evident, and it's got me excited.
1: It's fun. I mean, this is right? Cody, right, this is a weirdo that thinks this is fun. I love this stuff. I just think it's kingdom stuff. I mean, God has an, we got to go back to this, right? God has an unfolding plan. And did you ever read the Francis Chan book where he says, you know, what if the disciples at the two fish and the five loaves, As there was the 5,000 people, what if the disciples just said, Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus, we were so hungry. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the fish. This is awesome. And just stood there and accumulated more and more fish and bread and thought to themselves... This is so awesome. I am so blessed out of my mind that you're giving me, God, all this fish and bread. I got needs. I got needs today. I got needs next week. I got next year. And my family has needs. I'm just going to keep giving me these. And those guys are hungry out there. Let's feed them a little. You know, let's push on a little. But thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm a numbers guy, and I might be wrong in this, but I have read that the U.S., that's maybe 5%, if we're 330 million people, and there, I think there's 7.9 billion people in the world, you know, maybe we're 5-ish percent of the world, that the U.S. controls something like 40% of the world's net worth. And there's also, you know, there's 330 million people in the U.S., and maybe just make a guess, there's 20% of them are really evangelical Christians that are going to church and are giving. I think that's probably close. You know, that means that there's maybe 60 million of us or some number like that that are here. And there's 7.9 billion people in the world. I don't know how the percentages work out, but we're kind of like the 12 disciples, right? And God's blessing us out of our mind and it's pouring in. There's a plan for this money. And the plan is not for me to build my third barn and my fourth barn, right? And probably not even my second barn. Yes, I need to be responsible. I agree with that. My wife especially says, Lance, I'd really prefer not to be homeless and penniless. This generosity thing is great, but let's not do that. And even worse, I would really prefer not to be reliant upon our kids for our well-being and our future. That would be worse than being homeless and penniless. So don't give away all our money. But I mean, how much is enough? I mean, this is you guys, right? How much is enough? But certainly there's some number... That beyond that, God didn't intend it for lands. And I wrestle with that just like everybody else does. But I know that there is a number out there and I need to be given more because it's all his. And I just think it's fun. So I think that there is absolutely a massive God unfolding plan going on right now. There's massive needs in the world. We're seeing we're coming towards end times. We're certainly accelerating towards end times. And there is massive need. There's spiritual warfare. There is polarization of the Christians and the non Christians that you can just feel it, that their intensity is rising. And me and you, and probably everybody that's listening to this, is massively blessed by any standard in the world, certainly by biblical standards and even by U.S. standards. You're blessed. And so, hey, have the fun of moving towards Jesus through generosity and participate in this old unfolding plan. It'll be good for them. It'll be good for you. And it's what God made you for. But I am astounded. Could it be possible that this is all part of God's plan that we are blessed out of our minds right now at the time where there's such great need and could the parable and the two fish and the five loaves have something to do with where we all sit today?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important perspective and As you share your perspective, in addition with your expertise, it had me thinking, because we've gotten a chance to chat with some of your colleagues as well from NCF, and we've just been so impressed over and over and over. It's really amazing how God has, within just one organization, I know there's many, many wonderful organizations doing incredible work around this space, but within NCF, we've gotten to hear perspectives and expertise that is world-class. And I'm really interested to hear how that came to be for you. How is NCF able to consistently attract the expertise to be able to do this really, really important work that creates a win-win for the donor, for the end recipient of the gift, and something that the government's encouraging us to do? Just getting the word out is incredibly important, but actually stepping into that arena and doing the work and walking alongside whether it's someone who's just exploring generosity or someone who has a massive business that wants to really have an impact with it. How did that come to be part of your story?
1: Yeah, oh, that's so great. Yeah, I told you a little of my story in the beginning, but I'll tell you some more. So generosity is super fun. It has changed my life. It's helped me to not be a greedy, selfish person like I otherwise would be. And it makes me uncomfortable, and that's good. And as generosity happens, I mean, by the grace of God, I was a PwC tax partner and God blessed me and there was good things happening. And I knew at age 60, I was going from X to zero or X to some percentage of X, but I wasn't going to be at X, you know, after that. So I thought to myself, I don't want to leave these charities that I love hanging. And so I started a donor advice fund. It wasn't like a long-term thing. It's not to... In my strategy, for me, it wasn't to be a forever thing. It was to, I'm going to give extra in these few years as I'm getting to the end of PwC so that I've got a giving war chest and a fund that I can use to continue to bless people and charities, and so I continue to be active. And what happened was that was why I got involved. But while I was involved, because I'm a tax guy, I said to NCF, well, wait a minute. There's this pastor that I love, and he's got some medical issues. And I'm just funding his medical expenses. This ought to be tax deductible. And NCF said, yeah, it is. We partnered with an organization called Helping Hands. And you can just set up a little project. They're a charity. And their little project could be helping a pastor with medical issues. And they'll validate it. And then you'll give to NCF. We'll give to Helping Hands. Helping Hands will pay the medical bills. And in the end, instead of costing you, Lance, a dollar for a dollar to help that guy, it only costs you 50 cents for a dollar to help that guy this is awesome. Why didn't I know this? I'm a tax guy. They said, well, I don't know why you didn't know, but we're glad you're with NCF. I said, I got another one for you. I had a buddy that I loaned some money to buy a business and great guy, you know, one of my best friends, and I loaned him some money. And in order to loan him the money, he needed to buy it quick. And I had an equity line on my house. So I just took out the equity line money. I gave it to him. Everything's good. He's good for it. He's good forever. There was never an issue about that. But now... I'm talking to my wife and I say, you know, we have this money that's owed to us from this guy and we owe some money to Wells Fargo that's on the home equity line. She goes, what? We have debt on our house. We don't own our house. They could take our house away from us. I thought we agreed we never have debt anymore. And I said, well, this isn't really debt. I mean, this guy, you know, it just goes in and out. It's not. No, I don't. Lance, I don't want debt in our lives. You never told me this. I go, I told you this. Of course, I told you this. She said, no, you didn't. And by the way, this is important to me, you know, do something. So I go, well, I had some money. I paid some of the credit line off with the bank, but I couldn't get it all the way there with just the money that I had available. So I thought, you know what? I'm giving money anyway. I'm going to give this note receivable, this illiquid asset. Guys paying on it is good. It's going to always be good. I'm going to give that to my donor advice fund. Hey, can you guys take this money? They go, no problem. We take it. I get a tax deduction right now illiquid asset. I get a tax deduction, free money from the federal government in California. I used free tax dollars to pay off the rest of the debt I had to the bank on my credit line. Jeannie was so happy. The kingdom was happy. My guy still had his loan. He was happy. Everybody won. I go, this donor advice thing is so fun, and I haven't even still done the appreciated asset deal. So, That's how I got where I am. And so now I didn't even know I'm doing all this stuff. I'm thinking, okay, I'm retired from PwC. They're kicking me out. I'm age 60. They're going to make new partners for cheaper. And I got to do something. I figure, well, I can't compete against PwC because they pay me forever to not compete against them, which is a cool thing. But I can start a small firm that, that wouldn't compete against them. Or I can do some other tax that I think is fun. I sit down with a buddy of mine. Who thinks i'm going to be a fractional tax guy and this guy's a fractional cfo he says this is late in the game i thought i was going to do something else he said he leans forward, he says lance i had the perfect job for you i go you know i've been praying about this stuff but perfect is a pretty strong word (laughs) he says it's perfect you're going to be an ncf area representative telling people how to move towards jesus through generosity And do it in a tax-efficient way so that the kingdom gets more money and the people that give get more money. I go, that would be cool. And here we are. So that's how I got to NCF.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that you must hear stories all the time of, you know, really creative or awesome ways that people are stepping into generosity. I'd love to hear if there's anything that comes to mind.
1: There's a bunch. But there's one that immediately comes to mind. It involves real estate. So wonderful woman, owns real estate that is not paying at huge levels in terms of the rents. It's valuable real estate, but because of how it works out, it's not paying very high rents. And she's a generous person, but needs some money during her lifetime, wants some money during her lifetime, but intends to give all of it, including this real estate, to the kingdom upon her death. And we say, well, what if you were to do something? It's a vehicle called the Charitable Remainder Trust. And what happens is you give the asset. This is a super appreciated asset. It was bought for tiny money and it's worth a lot of money. And she said, well, I don't want to sell it because I think it's going to continue to appreciate. It's a good asset. And I don't want to pay all this capital gains tax on it to get the money, but I'm not really satisfied with the little money that I'm getting off it. We say, how about this? Contribute the asset to a charitable remainder trust. What a charitable remainder trust does is it gives the giver an annuity back for their lifetime, and then upon their death, the asset goes to charity. And the way that it gives you an annuity upon your lifetime is when the asset comes in, the charitable remainder trust immediately sells the asset and turns it into cash. But because the charitable remainder trust is not taxable, there's no tax on that. So the full amount stays inside and is available for investment, no tax, It can be diversified. This person owns real estate that's concentrated and it's just real estate. So now the asset is diversified into a diversified stock portfolio or whatever else. It's now throwing off an income that's significant and it's creating an annuity for her for the rest of her life that's significantly more than the income she was getting off the asset. So there's no tax on the transaction. It's creating more After tax cash flow for her, after the deal, and the charity is going to ultimately get the money, and even better, when she did this, she gets a tax deduction for the present value of the asset that's going to ultimately go to charity. It moves that forward into today's tax returns for her, and she uses it to offset the other income that she's receiving today. So it is a massive win-win thing. And even possibly even better than that is another addition to that idea is only do the charitable remainder trust with 80% of the asset and give the other 20% into a donor advised fund. Now when the thing sells, not only does she still have an annuity that was more than she was going to get before, but now she has a war chest of money to currently give to charities in addition to charities getting money later upon her death. And it's just a beautiful thing. Where in this particular case, if you didn't even care about charity, she wound up personally ahead in terms of income for the rest of her life. She wound up with current tax savings that mean current cash refunds. She wound up with money to give to charity now, and a charity is blessed upon her death. It's just a beautiful thing.
2: You've shared some scenarios that I've actually not heard before, and it's really got the wheels turning <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> the love opportunities. That. I think if you've got some highly appreciated stock or real estate, or you're a business owner, you should probably take some notes here because Lance is sharing some real I
1: wanted cool to say stuff. one other thing. That, I mean, NCF is 300. I'm, I'm not selling NCF. I don't even care, right? I just want people who have hearts for Jesus to move through Jesus through generosity in a way that gets the most possible money to the kingdom which will give you the most joy so when i was at pwc i'm in business right there are metrics boom 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 go out there and make it happen in this business they won't even tell me the metrics it's lance go out there and be part of what the holy spirit is doing so the whole point of that is if you call me or call somebody from ncf this is not a pressure deal this isn't about causing you to do anything This is about helping you to understand, especially if there's significant appreciated assets in your life. This is helping you to understand what your options are and what better stewardship could look like. And you don't have to do anything because of the way NCF works. We wind up getting a tiny fee off of the balance that are in your donor advised fund account. And if you ever do a complex asset transaction, we ask for a little tiny ministry grant as a portion of that transaction, if and when it ever happens, which is almost always far, far smaller than the massive tax savings that everybody gets. So it's painless, but it's contingent upon a transaction happening. So it doesn't cost you anything to brainstorm with people who just love Jesus and want to help you be a good steward. So find a person. I mean, call me or find some NCF person and just say, I want to talk to you about my life. And you got any good ideas? And it's just shocking the way God and the Holy Spirit will move in that.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that is so interesting to me, and I think is extremely underappreciated, is in, I think, almost every single example you mentioned, but especially in that last one of the woman giving the real estate into the
1: Charitable remainder trust.
0: trust. Yeah. 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 The giver actually gains personally off of the transaction as well, in addition to super multiplying their giving. I mean, a lot of people, you know, think about the giving side, which is extremely important and is probably the ultimate driver behind a lot of these decisions. Yes. But, you know, I underappreciated how much the giver actually gains in the real time personally with cash back through tax deductions and things like that, which if it's already something you didn't need in the first place, yes, is just more cash back in your hand to then give again yes. in the same kind of fashion, which is yeah. a whole side to it.
1: Keelan, it plays off of this idea that we laid out earlier that if you give upon your death, it costs a dollar to give a dollar. But if you can accelerate that forward into gifts on your lifetime of cash, or even better, gifts of appreciated assets, the amount that it's costing to give becomes small. And if you can get into scenarios where the person knew they were going to give it anyway, but what's important to them, the security of cash flow between now and the end, you can actually create higher cash flow as a combination of tax savings and annuities and, the diverse, and you can create greater safety because you can diversify inside this vehicle. And so you can, to your point, we want this to be generous people. And people typically don't give unless they're generous. But it's wonderful if it can also bless them beyond what they were thinking. And it just facilitates future joy and generosity and moving more towards Jesus. It's just a beautiful thing.
2: So Lance, what are you excited about when you think about the future?
1: That is a great question. Here's where I'm at. I do believe that we are living at maybe, since Jesus walked the earth, we are maybe living at the most exciting time for Christians. And it's not going to be easy. I think that there's going to be hard things ahead, and I think it's going to be super exciting. And I think that there is more needs out there in the Christian world for people to hear the gospel and to come to Jesus than maybe there's ever been before And I think there's more wealth than there's ever before. In fact, the Wall Street Journal had an article about the amount of wealth transfers that have happened in the last four years. And I think the number was like $2 trillion of wealth has transferred from generation to generation. And I think in the next four years, and we might be a year into it, so my numbers might be off a little, but in the next four years, it's something like eight trillion dollars will transfer from generation to generation. That's because the baby boomers are aging out and are transferring their businesses. And as business transact, so four times, greatest that we've ever seen in the world, most excitement with four times as much wealth transfer as we have ever seen before happening in the next four years. I don't think this stuff is coincidental. And I think that as wealth transfer happen, there's these massive opportunities for super tax-efficient generosity. I don't think any of this is a coincidence, Cody. I think that God is moving right now and we have a choice. Are we gonna step into God's plan? What was it? Is it Henry Blackaby that said, look for where God's moving and go there. God is moving. If you have assets, if you're in the United States, if you're part of that 60 million Christians in the United States that is controlling 40% of the world's resources, God is moving with a plan. Step into it. If you, you know, the Bible says that we should exercise our spiritual gifts, right? If you're a teacher, then be a teacher. If you have the gift of healing, then heal. If you have the gift of giving, then give. People say, well, I don't have the gift of giving. You know what? If you're a Christian with assets, you have the gift of giving. The only question is whether you're gonna exercise that gift. God has put you in this place with the gift of, of giving. It is a spiritual gift. It's God's money. Give it. And it's fun. And it's awesome. And God will bless you. I think one of my favorite Bible verses is in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. I'll just summarize. It says, Jesus is the foundation on which all of us build our house. And everybody's going to build a house. And some people will build a house with hay and stubble and wood. And some people will build a house with precious stones and gold and silver. And in a day, the house you built will be tested with fire. And your house, if you built it with wood and hay and stubble, is going to burn down and you will still be in eternity with Jesus because your foundation was built on Jesus. We get to heaven because of Jesus and he's our Lord and Savior. But the stuff we do on this earth affects the rewards we will or won't get in heaven. And this verse is right on point. If you built your house on earth, with wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be tested with fire and it will burn down. And the verse basically says, you'll still be in heaven, but you'll be there as if one who barely escaped through the flames. But if you build your house with gold, silver, and precious stones, your house will survive and you will receive your reward in heaven. I don't know what else that verse could mean other than we as Christians have a responsibility to employ the spiritual gifts that we've been given here on earth. And there's going to be some consequence of that when we get to heaven. And my plan is to maximize everything between here and the end, because I know I'm going to get to heaven and standing with God and say, I wish I would have done more. I know that's going to happen. My goal between here and there is to close the gap, (laughs) close the gap on what God made me for and intended me for, and what I'm going to answer for and what I'm doing today. If I had an encouragement for anybody that's listening is think about that day and decide whether or not you want to take some risks in your life and not be comfortable and try to close the gap.
0: Well, as we get to our last question here, it seems almost funny to ask, but we like to leave every episode with a practical action for our listeners, and I think every single thing you've said for this entire hour has been a practical action for our listeners, but is there any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners today?
1: Yeah, thank you for that. I think there's two things. First of all, I think I want everybody to get in their head what it's taken me my whole life to get in my head, and that is you move toward Jesus through generosity. Generosity moves people toward Jesus. So that would be number one. And number two, I would just say, if you're a generous Christian, long-term capital gains tax is an optional tax. Talk to somebody from NCF and don't pay the tax. Get the money to the kingdom because it's better in the kingdom than it is paying taxes. I just love this program, you guys. I love your hearts for generosity and God bless everybody.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining us, Lance. This has been an extremely informative episode, and I agree with Cody. I've got all kinds of thoughts going through my head now, how I need to change some plans around, and I'm sure many other listeners do too as well. So thanks so much for sharing all of your passion, excitement, and wisdom and expertise with us today. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we would love to hear from you. And now I have a quick question for you. Do you know anyone who is living a life filled with generosity, purpose, and mission? If so, we would love to talk to them. They don't need to have a financial finish line and they don't need to have all the answers. They just need a heart to steward God's wealth to the best of their ability. If you know someone like that, we would be honored if you would connect us. You can reach us on Instagram at FinishLinePledge, Pledge, through our website at FinishLinePledge.com, or by email at Hello at Finally, if you want to find any references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at slash episode seventy five. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time.